Our members don't take the decision to strike lightly. They know that a strike will be difficult for them and for the Canadians who depend on the services they provide. But they're exercising their bargaining power because they just can't wait any longer. It's not too late for the government to do the right thing and avoid one of the largest strikes in Canadian history. Mm, there you go. So if you need a passport, maybe you rely on EI. Maybe you're waiting for an immigration application to be sorted. Maybe you want your tax return. Maybe you're going on a trip across the border in the next little bit. You, you must consider yourself warned because that is uh, Chris Alleyward, head of the uh, PSEC union of 120,000 federal workers who are now going to uh, join the 35,000 CRA workers, uh, and they've all voted to walk off the job. The CRA workers can go first, but uh, if these guys don't get a deal, all of them say they're prepared to walk as early as next Wednesday, Wednesday and stay out as possible, as long as possible, because they want that fair wage. And again, these are, we're talking about services that are already upside down. So you imagine what happens if there's a full-born strike. But what is fair? We're talking about taxpayer money. And we're talking about salaries that come with a whole lot of extras that add up to billions in extra costs. And what they're asking for in the salaries adds up to billions. And so let's bring in Franco Terrazano, director of the, uh, federal director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, because I think a lot of people here, Franco, and I certainly put this um, issue out to, to callers, you know, basically the feedback we got was let them walk. Um, because I don't think this union is going to get the support. I don't think they're going to get the support they think they're going to get in this climate. No, of course not. I mean, like, right away, let's just set the facts on the table. The average compensation, the average compensation for a government bureaucrat in the federal government is $125,000 a year. Okay. And you might be asking, well, like, how do they even make that much money? And let me tell you, one of the things is the salaries. Okay. But the other ones are the crazy benefits that nobody in the real world would ever get. And in fact, if you went to your boss yeah. and asked for some of the benefits, you would get laughed out of the office. And let me read like, like, you. and that would be like like running shoes for the whole family like every year. <laughs> let me read you some of the benefits because we got our hands on a demand list from one of these federal government union negotiators, and we went through this 200-page document. Let me read some for you. They want more money if you work past 4 p.m. <laughs> Who in the real yeah. world doesn't work past 4 p.m.? You know wow, I mean? God, I worked, till, I worked till about midnight. I'd be making double over. I'd be, wow, I'd be wealthy, wealthy, wealthy. <laughs> my, so goodness, the- my goodness. Yeah, more money yeah. if you work past 4 p.m. Can you believe that? Here's another crazy one. Yes, I can. Uh, they, want, mm-hmm. they, they want an education fund for a laid-off employee up to $17,000. What? An education fund for... <laughs> you have to laugh or you'll cry. Now, this one might be the craziest one of all, and that's saying something. They want taxpayer-funded contributions into their own union-controlled social justice fund so they can engage in, quote, advocacy for progressive public policy. Okay, so let me break that down just for your listeners to really understand what's going on here. They're negotiating with the government to get money from taxpayers to fund their own type of public policy advocacy. Okay, so... I think Canadians, well, that's the only I mean, demand they'll I, probably get met. That's the, that, the the sad reality is that's the one that the government. Well, we'll give you that. Got to have those wow. uh, activists. They already have a social justice fund. I didn't even know. I didn't know that they had a social justice fund until we looked into the demands. Then we did some more research. And let me tell you some of the things that the social justice fund is being used towards. And remember, this is taxpayers' money that they're getting from the government, the employer, 
let me give you just some examples of this, okay? Uh, they sent some members on some of those international climate conferences, like the one in Madrid a couple years back, or the one in Cancun in December, I believe, of 2010. Like, that must be a nice little vacay paid for by the taxpayer. They've also released reports advocating for higher business taxes. So they're at the bargaining table, which should be talking about realistically wages, but really they're pushing for these crazy types of benefits, which in fact would require taxpayers to fund their advocacy. Yeah, it, look, it, it, it really has to be about value for dollar, right? And are we getting value for dollar? And I mean, if we were getting the services we paid for, like you weren't getting headaches at the passport office, or if your EI was arriving on time, or if you go on a trip without worrying if your luggage will make it or your plane will take off, you know, the everyday things, I mean, maybe people wouldn't, sh- well, no, I think they would shrug because some of the, the demands just on salaries alone are ludicrous. I mean, the, the government is offering about 2% per year. But they want, and it's hard to break down because they're all in different categories, but you've got the yep. CRA workers who are up, up over the 30-ish percent area plus things. And then you've got the uh, the PSAC union that just voted on strike yesterday. This is 120,000 workers. They want like 15.5% over, so they want like a 5% raise each each year. But, you know, the the union will argue, Franco, that, that well, hey, our members are really only making forty to 60000 uh, dollars, but that's not that's not the average. That like that's for part timers and, and for people who are, I think, doing contract work. Correct? Yeah, but not only that though. What they're doing is that they're obscuring the true nature of the compensation, because what they do is they talk about these so-called lower salaries, but that's not the case. Because you have all these different types of benefits, all these different types of shift premiums, all these different type of overtimes that drives up the cost of all the salaries that they're getting. And all this is from the taxpayer. And you mentioned the 15%, and, and I know why you're saying that, but even yeah. that is such a lowball number because yeah. what PSAC is really pushing for is up to 47% compensation increases over three years. Folks, up to 47% I was trying to be generous, okay? I was trying I to be like, I was I like, I know, it, I know it's 47, but I'm like, I, I'll just put this figure down because it's a union figure, but I, yeah, it's hard because it's already padded with all these other things that bring in value. Like working from home is an actual tangible value. So you want more money and then you want to work at home. We've got all this office space that's not being used. And then, you know, like you can't have it all. Well, they want it all. And, and who has to fund it? They're neighbors who are in the private sector who are not doing nearly as good as them, who are worried about a recession. Because let's be honest, folks, when a recession comes, if it comes, hopefully it doesn't, but if a recession comes, who bears the burden of that? Us in the private sector do. Nobody in government is going to lose their job. Nobody in government is going to lose any salary. I mean, they should take a, a hit. They should help shoulder the burden so it's not just the private sector taxpayer. But let's be honest, when has that ever happened? Right? I mean, you have to go back quite some time and you really have to look at some provincial government. But here's the thing up to 47% compensation increases would cost taxpayers $9.3 billion over those three years. Okay, just, just like to put that into perspective, one percentage increase in the sales tax is $9 billion. So we're talking about tax hikes to fund some outrageous demands. Alex, one more thing uh, they want two weeks of pay time off. So they're talking about inflation. You know, we have to keep up with inflation. But what does two weeks of paid time off have to do with the price of chicken? Yeah, uh, they want what they want. There are still 26 other bargaining units at the federal level. They're all watching this. And, and we know, uh, and including the teachers unions here in the province of Ontario, there's unions all over the place. And so whatever these unions get will set the bar 
uh, moving forward. So where where are we at? Uh, Trudeau does not want to touch this because it's a huge voting block, but they're so far apart, it's hard to see they're getting a deal. But are they, you think, going to get a deal at the last minute? You know, I, I, I'm not sure. I, but let me just point out something too, right? The fact that they make these ridiculous claims really shows that they think that the people they're negotiating are so frivolous, right? Because there's no way you go to your boss and ask for like more time if you stay past 4 p.m. or you ask for a $17,000 education fund if you're laid off. There's no way you go to your boss and ask for that, even during negotiations, if you respect your boss. But these guys in Ottawa and gals and members of parliament and all that have been spending like crazy for so long that these union negotiators are like, well, they're not protecting the public purse anyways. We might as well dip our fingers onto the gravy train. Yeah, well, nonetheless, uh, it's a it's a ton of money, and I guess we're going to find out, um, you know, what's where the priorities are of the government. The fact that it took like they got nothing done in eight months, they've been without a deal for three years. All of this again could have been avoided. Okay, but no deal for three years, folks. Don't forget, they're still getting paid. In fact, ninety three to ninety eight percent of the whole federal bureaucracy got at least one pay raise during the pandemic. So just because they didn't have a contract and office equipment, pay. And yeah, it doesn't mean that they weren't getting pay. In fact, they're getting pay raises and hundreds of millions of dollars in bonuses, even though they couldn't meet half of their own objectives. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but again, uh, we don't think um, we don't base this kind of stuff on performance, which we should. Well, we'll wait and see uh, what's going to happen. A lot of us say we're uh, rattling happening this week on it. So uh, stay tuned. Thanks for the breakdown. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Alex. Shocking. There's a, it is, it's just like, really? It's just, who goes into their office and says, I want overtime starting four o'clock sharp, double overtime, and I'm going to get two more weeks. And all, like, no, they'd laugh at you. They'd go, see, there's the door. Don't like it, go find another job.